This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Calendar. Let's be real. Running a household can be exhausting and chaotic. And finding the perfect Mother's Day gift, it's not exactly a no-brainer. Until now. The Skylight Calendar is the best way to organize the family and give everyone, especially mom, some peace of mind to enjoy the things that matter most. The Skylight Calendar is a smart, touchscreen calendar that keeps track of and manages the chores, dinner planning, groceries, and to-dos for the whole family. The Skylight Calendar automatically syncs each family member's digital calendars and displays them all together on one color-coded touchscreen. It even doubles as a digital picture frame, so you can finally share all those special moments that are just sitting on your phone. As a limited time offer for our listeners, get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight calendar when you go to skylightcal.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-C-A-L dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightcal.com slash easy. A rested child is a happy child. Sleep Tight Stories is a weekly podcast that brings comfort and joy to families worldwide with calming bedtime stories. The stories are relevant to children and spark wonder without overstimulation, so they can fall asleep and stay asleep. Listen to Sleep Tight Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. For a bedtime routine you'll miss when they're grown, Sleep Tight Stories. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast host Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. is a production of iHeartRadio. I'm your host, Heidi Murkoff, and I'm a mom on a mission, a mission to help you know what to expect every step of the way. If there's one thing you can always expect here on What to Expect, it's that we are going to keep it real, which is why I am so excited to welcome a very special mom who has made her life an open book on social media. Anna Victoria is a personal trainer and fitness guru who has shared honestly with her millions of followers, first about her journey to wellness, which led to a wildly popular fitness app, and more recently about her journey to motherhood, which included just a few detours, a year of trying to conceive, and ultimately IVF. 
And now Anna is a new mom to a six-month-old baby girl, Aurora. So Anna, thank you so much for being here today. First of all, congratulations on baby Aurora. <laughs> thank you. Who is beautiful and those cheeks. Oh my oh, God. I know. I die at the cheeks. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. She's in what I like to call the golden age of babyhood because it's all smiles and <laughs> yeah. belly laughs and joy and they're not crawling and getting into stuff yet. Right. I'm definitely not prepared for that. Like with the house stuff, baby proofing, that's a whole new world we're about to get into. So I, I definitely am enjoying her being stationary and just giggly right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's the best. Now, how has it been being pregnant and giving birth during a pandemic? You also moved states like no biggie. Yeah. Which was planned pre COVID. We Plan to move from LA to Austin, Texas to buy a house since the market in LA is just, you know, outrageous. And yeah, so obviously as well, we did IVF and we never knew when we were going to be pregnant. And it just everything coincided with being pregnant, moving states, and a pandemic. So it's been quite a ride. <laughs> yes. um, but, you know, honestly, I am an optimist. I, I am. And I remember, you know, being pregnant mid pandemic, my husband's family's from Italy. And so they, we always planned for them to come. His mom was supposed to come stay with us for three months for the birth. And we quickly realized that wasn't going to be able to happen, which was upsetting. But I was like, it's okay. We got it. You know, like we're, we're going to get through, we can take care of it. Okay. That's when I was pregnant. Right. Now, once I had the baby and those postpartum hormones came into play, you know, no amount of optimism can, you know, cover up the fact that we missed out on sharing our daughter's first moments with her grandparents and all of our family. She's the first girl on his dad's side of the family in 50 years. (gasps) Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, you know, it's been hard, but uh, still grateful for for our health. And that's just what we try to focus on. Absolutely. And we're going to come back to your pregnancy. But first, let's go to something you've been very open about sharing and that's getting pregnant. And you were trying to conceive for about a year? Two. Two Two years. years. Oh, wow. So (laughs) when did you first make the move up to a fertility clinic? After the year mark. So we started trying... Goodness, it was December 2017. And, you know, I'm one of seven. My mom had no trouble conceiving with any of us. And I just thought like, oh, when I'm ready, you know, like, it's just gonna happen. And, you know, six months went by and it was like, hmm, it's not happening yet. Did some research and I read, you know, it can take six to 12 months for a normal healthy couple. Month nine, it was like, okay, what is going on? So uh, then, you know, wait until month 12. And that's when we were like, you know, we are ready now. We don't want to wait for another three, six months and then still be in the same position. So we went to, at the time we lived in LA, we went to Southern California Reproductive Center. They ran all the tests, the blood work, couldn't find anything wrong with either of us. So we were diagnosed with unexplained infertility. I also am a personal trainer. I uh, ate healthy. What I kept hearing back, which was like so frustrating was like, everything looks perfect, you know? And it's like, oh, great. Well, then why is this not happening? In some ways, like, I don't ever want to say it's good to hear that there's something wrong, but when you do, there's a course of action. 
they know how to treat it and how to proceed. With unexplained infertility, you're just, you know, kind of at a loss until it just magically happens, you know? So immediately we did two IUIs back to back, obviously unsuccessfully. At that point, it actually, it took more of a toll on my husband. He's like I said, he's Italian. He's very, wears his heart on his sleeve. I'm the one that I'm like, we'll get through it. I'm going to power through. I can handle it. But him still seeing the impact it had on me. And honestly, the hormones, how it impacted me, letrozole was like horrible mm-hmm. for me. Um, he was like, you know, let's take a break. We even uh, went to Italy for our anniversary of that May. Cause this, at this point in time, it was February, March. And, you know, every, like everyone said, like, oh, just relax, just go travel and it's going to happen. Nope, it <laughs> still didn't happen. But you had a good time. So We had a great time. And now I'm like, oh, I'm so happy we went on those trips pre-baby. You know? Exactly. Get it in while you can. Yeah. So after, after those trips, we decide, okay, in the fall, if we didn't conceive, we would do IVF, which is what we ended up doing. Uh, did an egg retrieval September whew, 2019. And then the transfer in November 2019, which was successful. Oh, that's so <laughs> wonderful. And you got it on the first try. Yeah. So yeah, the hormones and feeling like you were a pin cushion, like always being stuck, that must have been super hard. And emotionally, just as a couple, how did it feel to keep trying and trying and trying? Was it a strain on your relationship at all? Yeah, it, it really, really was. And he and I really are two peas in a pod. Like we were meant for each other, you know, and we like don't fight very much. But that time period, uh-uh. like it was a completely different ball game for us and put so much strain on us. Like there were things that I said that I'm not proud of and that I regretted saying to him. And the hormones made you do it. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. He had so much grace with me. We're as great of a couple as we are because of him, because he's such a sweetheart. But yeah, there were times that, you know, it, not only times then that added stress to us, but there are lasting impacts that we've noticed even after infertility, even at having a baby that we notice still have carried over. Like the anxiety around intimacy when you're trying to make a baby, it's so robotic. And, you know, that's not good for either of us. And it's hard to just, you know, forget all of that. And at the same time, we wonder what is it going to be like for baby number two and three? You know, we always wanted three and four kids, you know? Yeah. You also have a baby in the house and that doesn't make it easy. Oh, for sure. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. There's baby massage oil instead of like KY next to the <laughs> right bed, exactly right, right. yeah um, so why was it so important to you to be so open on social media about the process so i didn't know if i would be like in that first year i just hoped to be like we're pregnant you know of course like everyone hopes to be able to do that and more so with my family on i'm the type that my struggles don't define me or they don't like overcome me. I think that they empower me. And like, that's kind of always been my approach with my fitness journey. Like I'm a personal trainer. That's going to tell you, I hate working out. Like sometimes I love it, but the majority of the time I don't want to do it. I do it anyways, because I feel so good afterwards. So I do it. So I knew that if I was going to share about this struggle, if I needed to, I would be empowered by it because helping other women, people know that they're not alone. It just fills me up. That's so awesome. Have you gotten lots of responses from other women going through the same experience? Shockingly, 
thousands. Yeah. Every day, even now, two years, three years after, you know, the entire journey, every day I receive messages from women that either just now discovered me. Apparently, if you like look up IVF or egg retrieval, a lot of my stuff pops up, which is, you know, I don't know how, but it's happening. And other women that have been following me through the journey, they weren't in that time period of their life at the time I was, but now they are. It's really shocking at how many couples go through this. It is. I mean, of course, the number is growing. Mm-hmm. I do want to know, how did you, um, did you feel guarded after you found out you were pregnant? I'm such an open book that like I wanted to share. It's interesting publicly, but internally, I had so much anxiety about it because you're so worried about what is going to happen. Like you hear horrible stories of things happening at, at, you know, when people say like, oh, the safe zone is after the first trimester. It's not like there's something can happen at any point. So I had anxiety more about announcing it for that reason. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Internally, it was definitely a huge struggle. uh, First trimester and then almost third trimester. Second trimester was like the glory, (laughs) you know, time period. Did you ever resent other moms who got pregnant easily? I feel like saying resent is, you know, I mean, it's a very valid feeling that some women have. Absolutely. Yeah. Personally, I didn't, it was, it was absolutely like, you know, gosh, what's the right word? I don't know. Devastation. You know, I had a friend one time tell me that she was pregnant and I cried, not happy tears in front of her. I tried to cover it up as like happy tears, you know, Um, which I was, there were happy tears, but there were sad tears. And again, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm a happy go lucky, optimistic type person. And I, I didn't expect to feel those feelings. But it's so natural. How did you tell your family? Oh, so I, we did the transfer November 20th. Yeah. November 20th, 2019. So Thanksgiving was a few days later and uh, it was a five day embryo. So five days post transfer, it was, you know, that at that point in time I had gotten a positive because it was, you know, 10 days. So it was Thanksgiving and I was like, should I do the bun in the oven? We have Thanksgiving buns. But I was like, no, there's two. I didn't want to tell everyone. I have a big family. I'm one of seven. Right, right. Um, there's normally 30 people at our Thanksgiving. And so I was like, I'm just going to tell my sisters and my brother that were there and my mom. And so to kind of get them away from everyone, I brought them outside out front to just take a picture. And Luca was taking the picture and I Everyone was in the line and I said, three, two, one, like smile. And I said, I'm pregnant. And it was a video. Oh, so, <laughs> that's so awesome. Yeah. So did it, everybody hear it and understand it and comprehend? Oh yeah. It, like it was kind of like a split second of like jaw drop and then like screaming. And it's funny because everyone knew we were doing the egg retrieval, but no one knew when we were doing the transfer. And I, we wanted to keep that a secret, which was hard to do, but we wanted to keep that a secret because we didn't want eyeballs of like, did it work? Are you pregnant? So we told everyone to get them off of our backs. We were like, we're doing it after the holidays. Okay. Ah, sneaky. Yeah. So. (laughs) (laughs) This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Calendar. Let's be real. Running a household can be exhausting and chaotic and finding the perfect Mother's Day gift. It's not exactly a no brainer. Until now, the Skylight Calendar is the best way to organize the family and give everyone, especially mom, some peace of mind to enjoy the things that matter most. 
The Skylight Calendar is a smart touchscreen calendar that keeps track of and manages the chores, dinner planning, groceries, and to-dos for the whole family. The Skylight Calendar automatically syncs each family member's digital calendars and displays them all together on one color-coded touchscreen. It even doubles as a digital picture frame so you can finally share all those special moments that are just sitting on your phone. As a limited time offer for our listeners, get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight calendar when you go to skylightcal.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-C-A-L dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightcal.com slash easy. When your child fights sleep, it can feel like a battle you'll never win. Imagine a bedtime routine you all look forward to where you cuddle in and let the stress of the day melt away. Welcome to Sleep Tight Stories, a calming weekly podcast that brings bedtime stories, cuddles, and comfort to families worldwide. The stories are quirky, relatable, and spark wonder without overstimulation, so listeners can fall asleep and stay asleep. Each episode is narrated by me, Cheryl McLeod, a second-grade teacher, and written by my husband, Clark, an eternal second grader at heart. Tune in tonight and bond over a story before drifting off to sleep. Make bedtime the sweetest part of your day. Sleep Tight Stories. Listen to Sleep Tight Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Parents, ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids, where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. That was great fun. Cowie, what do you say? It was. And that time when we did the science experiments and Billy made Raisins dance. That is so cool, Billy. He did. <laughs> Not to mention when a certain Elliot took up swimming classes with Lisa. That was me! <laughs> Bet you can't catch me. I'm going to get you. All this fun and more in our Stories for Kids. Lingo Kids Stories for Kids is now available on StoryButton, the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English, and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. So pregnancy, after all of that effort to get pregnant, did it seem like, you know, a relatively easy lift, so to speak? I, yeah, I'm one of those that loved being pregnant. <laughs> Yeah, I just thought it was beautiful. The body changes, I think, were beautiful. And I did have morning sickness the first trimester, but not to the point of actually, you know, throwing up, just like, you know, being nauseous. And that was really it. Otherwise, I had a great pregnancy. I worked out through my entire pregnancy. But then came labor and delivery. Uh-huh. So mm-hmm. I know you have a birth story to share. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, every mom does. <laughs> yeah. How was it different than what you expected? 
So there's two parts here that made me think it would be much easier than it was. First was my mom. You know, she always said, oh, dental pain is worse than childbirth, you know, which like, uh, okay, I, I know, right? And she's like, okay, not literally, but it's a mental thing. You have to get into a mental place. And my dad even told me like, she didn't even scream during labor, you know, like, so props to her. That's not me, I discovered. And so I, I definitely had kind of a different idea of what it would be going in because of that. Then yes, because I'm a personal trainer and so many women who have done my programs and are in my community have said to me, Anna, pre-fitness journey, pre-FBG, I didn't work out and my labor was horrible. I just had a baby and I've been working out with your app and your programs and it was a breeze comparatively. So I always was like, awesome. Like so many women are telling me how much better it was after their fitness journey. So like I should be able to handle this. You would think. (sighs) You would think, right? I ended up having an unplanned C-section after... Ooh, what was it? 15 hours of labor, three hours of pushing. And she got stuck behind my pelvic bone. My hopes were that I would have an unmedicated vaginal birth. My contractions came on so quick. My, they said my water didn't break, but I, a, I had a gush of water, you know? So someone was like, you probably had a high leak. So they couldn't something along those lines. Um, cause my contractions came on quick and they were very close together from the beginning. And I didn't get any time to rest in between contractions. It was two in the morning. I hadn't slept. I hadn't eaten, went into labor, went to the hospital, got there at like three. And, um, I started throwing up. I couldn't keep anything down. I was nauseous and I was four centimeters dilated when I got there. After all that. Yeah. Right. And so I was in labor for seven hours And they checked me again. And I remember thinking in my head, if I'm not at least seven centimeters dilated, I'm getting an epidural. Like already, like not a part of my birth plan. But I was like, if I'm not dilating, it's because my body is under so much stress right now. I can't relax because I'm not getting breaks in between my contractions. I need help. Seven hours later, I was still four centimeters. When they told me that, I was just like, like... I couldn't believe it. Like four, still at the same spot, like at least five. So I said, give me the epidural now. (laughs) Like in that time from when the anesthesiologist needs to prepare it and get to other, you know, patients first, I was like screaming, like, where are they? So I got the epidural. I, within an hour went to, uh, what was it? Six centimeters. And so that's like, it was exactly what my body needed. I, I couldn't relax. And let me tell you, that epidural was great. I went from like, you know, being in constant pain for seven hours to singing to Michael Buble that was playing in the background in between contractions. It was amazing. Yeah, there are a lot of fans out there. Of oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So the problem was I have a high tolerance to anesthesia. I have woken up under anesthesia before in the past, and I didn't remember that. And so when the epidural started wearing off, I was like, you guys, you guys, I can feel this again. And they were like, whoa, like what's going on? This happened three different times for the next five hours. I kept getting the epidural. An hour later, it would wear off. And then 30 minutes to scramble and get the anesthesiologist back. 
Oh, so I was going in and out of pain for the next five hours. And then when it came time to push and that I was 10 centimeters dilated, pushed for three hours, she got to station zero and wasn't dropping. And so they said, Hey, you have one more hour to push or you need to have a C-section. I went 50 minutes and they checked me and they're like, she hasn't moved. And I was like, let's go. So please tell me that the epidural lasted during the C-section. Oh, they topped me up and then some. Yes, because I told them, hey, hey, I'm about to have a C-section. Like, please, like, load me up because this has been wearing, you know, coming in and out. So they did. I absolutely felt all the weird jerking and jiggly movements, but no actual pain. Just to note, when they were doing the C-section, they actually had to make my incision bigger because they said she was so stuck in there, they had a hard time getting her out. So like, that was confirmation of like, we made the right decision, you know. Completely. But with, you know, nearly a third of moms at some point getting a C-section, don't you think it's important for them to prepare for that possibility, even yeah. if it's not a scheduled C? Yeah, you know... I took Bradley classes. That's what my mom did. Bra Dr. Bradley was actually her first, her OB with her first pregnancy. No yeah, way, that's so yeah. cool. And um, I actually posted that on my Insta stories and his granddaughter follows me and replied and was like, he's my grandpa. That's awesome. Yeah, so I took Bradley lessons. We skipped over the C-section part because I was like, nah, I don't need it. You are not going to need it. Yeah, which was definitely not, you know, the best decision on my part. So lesson learned. But um, I do think that it's just good to be educated about all the different possibilities, you know, like even just from induction options and yeah, and all the obviously all the stages of labor, which my husband knows better than I do. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, you, you do you do the best you can in the moment and you live and you learn. Exactly. So. You never know exactly what to expect. Right. No two labors and deliveries are the same. And your next one may be entirely different. Chances are it will be. Right. You know, I'm truly conflicted on what to do to do a VBAC, you know, to attempt a VBAC or just to do a scheduled C-section because I hear that scheduled C-sections are so much less traumatic and even like physically traumatic than unplanned or emergency ones, especially obviously after labor. So yeah, well, you've been through a lot. So let's cross that bridge. when right, we come right. to Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> now your recovery from yes. C-section, did that surprise you? The most excruciating thing I've ever been through. I just, how do you say the like negative core strength, you know, the complete absence of your core and a wound and a ginormous, you know, wound and not being able to hold your baby or to stand and hold your baby and all the awkward and painful positions that you need to get into to try to breastfeed. Like it was so hard. It's still hard. I'm six months postpartum and I still am working on regaining my core strength and doing, you know, the same movements I used to. So what's your advice for moms who've just had a C-section? Mm, it's a great question. A, you need help. Whether it's a partner or a family member, um, you need someone to help you. Uh, getting a belly binder for me was 
so important. And I have to be honest, I was kind of anti postpartum belly binders because being a personal trainer, I'm very anti like detox teas and waist trainers, you know, all these things that like, you know, just waste people's money. You want to make your muscles do the work instead of having them rely on a binder. Exactly. And this is a belly binder postpartum is completely different. And I had to kind of get over that, you know, that hump in my mind. And I, I, I didn't use one for the first few days. And when I realized like, gosh, I just need to try this. And I was like, Oh, this is so much better. You don't want to use it for too long. Cause like you said, you do need your core to use itself, you know, to start firing up at right. some point, but definitely for the first two to three weeks, you know, using a belly binder was really helpful. And for sure, do not overdo, even if you are like type A plus, 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 <laughs> like I am. There's a fine line. I feel like between they say, get up and move after your C-section, moving will really help the healing process. But then it's like, but don't move too much, you know, like don't hurt yourself, don't overexert yourself. And so kind of understanding that line and yeah, not like wanting to do everything yourself and being yeah very independent, that was hard. I kind of almost don't even have many memories from the first few weeks also because post-C-section, you're on medication. And you're sleep deprived. Yes, and sleep deprived. Yeah. yeah, I think that's pretty much a blur for everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, how has your workout routine changed since you had Aurora? You know, they say post-C-section, you need to wait six weeks to get cleared by your OB. I mean, I think that should be 12 weeks. And I love my OB. She's a sweetheart, but they don't have the physical uh, exercise knowledge, you know, behind saying like, yes, you're ready to work out. It's just not their field. I think that um, pelvic floor physical therapists need to become much more mainstream and that needs to be step two. It needs to be not, hey, you're cleared to go exercise. It needs to be, hey, you're cleared to go to pelvic floor PT, whether you had a vaginal birth or a C-section. I did go to pelvic floor PT and they were amazing and helping me with scar mobilization and you know all the pelvic floor stuff and, and guiding me on exercising. Yes, I'm a personal trainer, but this is my first birth, <laughs> you know, and first experience. Right. And I wouldn't advise women before I went through my pregnancy just because you know, I, I don't think that you can begin to understand what women go through until you've done it yourself. And maybe that might be a generalization, but that's my comfort level. I totally agree. I mean, what, what inspired me to write what to expect when you're expecting in the first place, I got knocked up. <laughs> right. You've got to be able to walk in a pregnant mm-hmm. woman's shoes, mm-hmm. you know, and realize that they don't fit because their feet are swollen. <laughs> right. right? Uh, yes. And speaking of shoes, I have a closet full and none of them fit. They're all too small now. I'm mourning my cute heels. Oh, this happens. This happens. (laughs) But that means you can go shoe shopping. Right. That's what I'm trying to convince my husband of. You're the optimist. Look at the bright side, right? (laughs) Right. This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Frame. Mother's Day is almost here. What are you getting her? Something that shows you care. Something that makes her feel loved. Something that won't stress you out. Something like the skylight frame. 
The Skylight Frame is the perfect gift. It's a touchscreen photo frame your whole family can upload photos to from wherever they are in the world. It's a way to share with her all the moments that matter. It sets up in seconds. You can even make sure that it's already loaded with photos when your mom opens her Mother's Day gift. And her Skylight Frame can hold thousands of the treasured photos you share. It's an easy, heartfelt way for mom to stay connected with those who matter most. It really is the perfect gift. Now, as a special Mother's Day offer for our listeners, get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightframe.com slash easy. Parents, ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. That was great fun. Callie, what do you say? It was. And that time when we did the science experiments and Billy made Raisins dance. That is so cool, Billy. He did. <laughs> Not to mention when a certain Elliot took up swimming classes with Lisa. That was me! Bet you can't catch me. I'm going to catch you. All this fun and more in our Stories for Kids. Lingo Kids Stories for Kids is now available on StoryButton, the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public... The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I love how real you are about your postpartum body, Mm -hmm. which I think is so super important. Because I don't know about you, but when I walked out of the hospital for the first time. For some reason, I thought you walk out like without a belly because you had the baby. So why would you still have a belly? And so lots of women don't expect their bellies to, you know, pretty much look six months pregnant when they're postpartum. Yeah. So you're embracing your body post-baby. And I think that's great because it's heroic what a woman's body does. It's truly, truly amazing Um, because making a baby is really hard work. Very hard work. And I think that, you know, I definitely always try to, you know, just remember that like this body is what brought me my baby that we worked so hard for. So like, what's a bit of loose skin and stretch marks, you know, but I, I know it's not that easy for a lot of women. I think that society has done a great job, you know, like pre baby, I would look at celebrities who had a baby and looked like they didn't a few weeks later. And I was like, meh, something, something's weird here. And I'm sorry, no hate on anyone who decides to go under the knife for any reason, but like 
let's call it like it is, they're getting surgery. They're probably having a C-section and a tummy tuck right after, you know? I mean, I, I, my best friend works in the industry and I hear those stories and it's just like, that's not as much as like you do you, it's also not okay to, for what that's doing to all the moms watching. So I do just think that it's, I have a responsibility. I have a platform to use and I want to use it the best way I can. And for right now in my life, that is to help other moms and women, you know, period men too, you know, it's actually very important for men to understand too, because then they could have unrealistic expectations for their partners, their wives. And that, you know, creates a host of other issues. I do have to ask you because this comes up a lot. Did Luca gain any weight when you were pregnant? <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. He's going to die that we're talking about this because yeah, he's, he keeps being like, man, Anna, like this dad bod came in quick, you know? And he's the one who got me into working out to begin with, you know, back at the beginning of our relationship. And yeah, so we've always been on this kind of like fitness journey, healthy lifestyle together. And the truth is that if I'm not super on it, he's not, you know, like we're, we kind of are always on the same page. And so yes, he has gained weight. It was also his hormones because guys experience the surge in estrogen when you're pregnant. Do they really? Yes, they do. Wow. So that's what sends them, you know, to the freezer for ice cream or... Ice cream is his kryptonite. That's exactly what he does. (laughs) (laughs) So um, now let's come back to parenting. Mm -hmm. You founded the Fit Body app, right? Mm -hmm. And it has a special program now for pregnancy and postpartum. Yes. So I did design the pregnancy program again when I was pregnant. I didn't feel comfortable coming out with anything before I had experienced that. And I actually love that program. Like even being postpartum, like it's such a great low impact strength training, but like medium intensity, you know, program. Um, and then we recently expanded to bring on other trainers and Brittany Lupton is one of our trainers who is a mom and she brought on her postpartum program. Um, so they, have definitely been two great additions to the app to help women that are in all stages of their life. With that being said, I do have something coming for C-section moms because there really is a big difference between how you need to exercise post-C-section and post-vaginal births. No, completely. Now, being a new mom, and we have lots of pregnant and new moms listening right now, what has surprised you most about being a mom? Gosh, I would say like, first and foremost, just like, I grew up with my dad telling me, you will never understand the love I have for you until you have your own children. It's just impossible to understand. And I was like, okay, dad, okay, okay, I get it, I get it. You know, (laughs) it really is true. Like, you just can't imagine the love that you have for your child. And that's one aspect. I think the other aspect is that as soon as you think you have it down, everything changes. (laughs) everything. Like, you know, it took us a while to learn her cries and like this and that, and then like sleep situation and then like a regression hits. So it's like, as soon as we get comfortable, we're completely thrown for a loop and scrambling and trying to figure everything out. Yeah. Don't get too comfortable. No. (laughs) How is she sleeping now? Horribly. (laughs) I mean, I think from two to three months or two and a half to three and a half months, it was like, 
we got this, like we can do this, you know, then around the four month time period, you know, even though that there's controversy over like, does a regression actually exist, you know? Okay. But yeah, no, her sleep just kind of reverted back to like newborn days of waking up every hour to two hours. Um, gosh, I mean, we, we can really get into it if you want. It's, but I, the sleep topic, it's, it's controversial, you know, how to sleep, how your baby should sleep. And I am very pro ABCs, you know, safe sleep alone on their back in a crib. Yes. <sighs> Never wanted to co-sleep. No judgment on anyone that decides to, but like that was our personal decision. And yeah, no, I mean, she's been sleeping, you know, in our bed for the last month because that's literally the only way we get any sleep. It was a matter of desperation and survival. Desperate parents call for desperate measures. Now, I, I totally get it. And you're not alone. Yeah. This is, this is what keeps every parent up mm-hmm. at night. In the sleep training conversation, we go back and forth. Yeah, she's at that six yeah. months, right? I just want to ask you, because you have a baby girl. Yeah. One day she's going to become a woman. Yep. What will you want her to know about her body? And I'm sure you want her to love it. But what what would you say to your future woman yeah. daughter? Um, this is such a great and such a hard topic, you know, because as much as I can say things or not say things. Um, there's the media and friends and, you know, all those outside influences. I just hope that she knows that like her body is not the most important thing about her. There's so much more that is important. There's nothing wrong with wanting to look good, but that is not what defines you. It's not what gives you worth or value. And if you want it to look a certain way, like through fitness or other means, I think that Anyone and everyone should feel empowered to look the way that they want to. I think about this a lot because it's just a so nerve wracking of like, you know, what it's going to be in the future. And also because I am in the fitness industry and I work with a lot of women who have body dysmorphia or eating disorders and something that has been a common theme. And a lot of the women I talk to, and and I I just want to say, this is not my area of expertise, but just in friendly conversations, a lot of women say, yeah, my issue started when a family member poked at my belly or said this about me at seven years old. And, you know, it's made me take a step back because I I have to admit, I am someone that I have not struggled with body image issues. It's not because I have a perfect body by any means. I truly think that it is because I was raised primarily by my father, who never said a word about my body. My mom moved away when I was 10 for work. We still had a very close relationship, but I didn't have any females in my life. I didn't have anyone saying, oh, I need to look this way. I need to do, I need to lose weight. I need to do this. Because it's not always about what you say to the little girl. It's about what they hear. No, it's what you're saying to yourself and out loud and, mm-hmm. and how you're behaving. Yep, what you're saying to yourself or about other people, you know? So... I think that's going to be my absolute first (laughs) line of defense is just like, you know, to speak positively about my body, no matter how it looks or other people and to not assign worth to bodies. That is such a great message. And I just want to thank you so much for joining us today, Anna. And for the three people who don't already follow you, (laughs) where can they find you? Yep. They can follow me on Instagram at Anna Victoria or my app at Fit Body App. And yeah. Anywhere pretty much by searching Anna Victoria. 
Okay, and and you owe me a baby snuggle with yeah. Aurora. Oh, I know. Luca was supposed to bring her in. I I'm know. sorry. She, if she's still sleeping, that's a record. So <laughs> we'll we'll find out. We were talking about sleep, and look right, what happens. Right. <laughs> thank you so no, much. No, thank you. It's been an honor. Thanks so much. Ooh, baby love, my baby love, I need you. Oh, how I need you. Thanks for listening. Remember, I'm always here for you. What to expect is always here for you. We're all in this together. For more on what you heard on today's episode, visit whattoexpect.com slash podcast. You can also check out what to expect when you're expecting, what to expect the first year, and the what to expect app. And we want to hear from you. Connect with us on our community message board or on our social media. You can find me at Heidi Murkoff and Emma at Emma Bing WTE. And of course, at what to expect. Baby Love is performed by Riley Beaterer. What to Expect is a production of iHeartRadio. For more shows from iHeartRadio, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. In my arms, why don't you stay? Need ya, need ya, baby love, ooh, ooh, baby love. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast hosts Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Check the backseat. Check the backseat. Hi, Check the backseat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the backseat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hey, it's Zuko and Kayla from The Wake Up Call. Enjoy your podcast, but when you're done, don't forget about us. We have a radio show. We try to bring a smile to your face every morning. We also talk to some of the hottest country stars of today, and we like to share some good news with That's What I Like. Because Lord knows that's hard to find. When you're done podcasting your podcast, listen to us at 92.3 WCOL. Set your preset on your radio right now, and don't forget you can listen to us online on the iHeartRadio app.